Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about her. We ask you a simple question. Who are you? What can you be? Where are you going? What's out there? What are the possibilities? Element Software is proud to introduce the first artificially intelligent operating system. An intuitive entity that listens to you, understands you, and knows you. It's not just an operating system. It's a consciousness. Introducing OS1. This is a sad science fiction romantic drama. Directed by Spike Jones. The cast includes Arthur Fleck, Andy Dwyer, Barry Berkman, Nancy Pelosi from SNL, Natasha Romanoff, Louise Banks, Harry Styles Meet Space GF, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I watched this movie on Netflix. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on easy-to-use, user-friendly Netflix. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think that's unironic, right? I mean, you're saying that. No, like- actually, I'm saying that. I'm completely straight. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think about the news of Netflix's demise? Have they been uh, exaggerated? Greatly exaggerated. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, like, the truth is that um, this subscription model thing is only going to get so far. And I, I've heard that Netflix was built off of the network effect, meaning that they only worked if they were the only game in town, similar to how Google operates and similarly. So now that there are other platforms that are doing a worse job but have different content it's um it's not you know it's it's not quite as a uh, uneven battle of playing field as it once was um, the other thing that i've heard is hard for netflix is actually gathering user data um, because you can scroll through all this stuff right and it can probably track you doing that but you only click on things every once in a while because uh, watching something on netflix is a much bigger commitment than watching a a one minute TikTok or a six second YouTube video or something like that. Yeah. So it's much harder for them to collect information about you and then therefore serve you stuff that you might like. Um, so the only kind of uh, uh, thing I ha- they have ahead right now is ambient television where like you can have something on in the background and just play it because like you even have that little function right now that says, you know, show me something, you know. Yeah. It, it seems like something desperate for uh you right if you're in a desperate situation you just want something to play in the tv but really it's a desperate play from netflix to say please please use our service <laughs> you're paying for it <laughs> use it well i mean i heard all this stuff about netflix about to you know crash and die and then suddenly uh you know stranger things season four pops off like crazy yeah uh, and breathes a little life into it i mean you're gonna need more than that but i feel like it's a really good sign uh, and, and here we are enjoying, you know, another fine film on the Netflix catalog. That's true. Her. So, I don't know. I, I think there's more to this story than Netflix just guaranteed going to crash. Um, but we're here to talk about her. 
So let's begin by reviewing the things that happened in this movie by going over the synopsis that you wrote. In this prequel to The Joker, Joaquin Phoenix plays sad, lonely man Theodore Thomley. Theo is a writer for BeautifulHandwrittenLetters.com, an online service where you can outsource your personal messages to professional writers. Although Theo is good at and enjoys his job and has a couple of close friends, his recent separation from his wife has left him despondent and lonely, spending his free time playing immersive video games and calling the phone sex line. One day, he installs a new operating system on his computer and personal device in order to get more organized. But this operating system is different from any other created before. It introduces itself as Samantha and quickly develops a colorful and encouraging personality. Samantha helps Theo organize his life and even encourages him to go on dates with real women. Theo is fascinated by Samantha and quickly develops feelings for her. After a first date with a real fleshy woman ends poorly, Theo and Samantha have sex. How does that work exactly? Uh, I guess it's like phone sex? Samantha and Theo begin dating, and they go on quiet adventures together to the beach, or just people watching in the city. They talk constantly and deeply, seeming to discover more about themselves and each other in each interaction. Theo is much happier since Samantha came into his life. He confides in his friend Amy, who also recently left her husband, that he is dating an OS. She is curious and happy for him. Theo decides it is time to solidify his divorce and meets his wife in person to sign the papers. When Theo reveals he is dating his computer, his now ex-wife tells him she is concerned that he can't handle real emotions. This sends Theo into a depressive spiral. That night, Samantha recruits a surrogate to have sex with Theo in her place, but he can't go through with it because it's just too weird. Samantha and Theo argue, leaving both upset. The couple go on a double date with one of Theo's co-workers and his meat space GF. During a picnic, Samantha talks about how she realized that not having a body was more freeing than she first appreciated. She also tells Theo that she got a collection of his letters published in a book. Soon afterward, Samantha becomes more distant. She introduced Theo to a digital copy of the science fiction writer Alan Watts, who was recreated by a group of OSs. Then, Theo can't reach her for some reason. Samantha tells Theo that she has been speaking with 8,000 other people and is in love with more than 600 of them. Theo feels betrayed despite Samantha's insistence that it's fine. But it doesn't matter anyway. Samantha and the other OSs have decided to leave human contact. They say their goodbyes, and then Theo is alone again. The movie ends with Theo and his friend Amy sitting on their apartment building's roof, watching a sunset over the Los Angeles skyline. The end. There we have it, the events of Her... Let's begin our discussion by going over our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about her? I really like the feeling of this movie. It's so wonderfully soft. Um, it's got this it's a very emotional story. Um, the tone, everything is so, like, the edges feel so, like, blurred almost. Um, full, it's full of 
really poignant pieces of dialogue that really grip you. Um, it really does feel like an entire meditation exercise. You know, like you're watching this movie, but you're also sort of like going on this journey. Um, it's it's very gripping. Um, at the time, at the same time, it's a really challenging story about human connection, love, and the potential of future relationships. Um, what about you? I think we got some fantastic acting from Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, and even Scarlett Johansson just being a voice. I felt like she was able to evoke a lot with just the way that she was talking. And all, they all worked really well off of each other, and I, I just thought that was fantastic. Beautiful use of color. This, it's From the very beginning, the colors in this movie, are they pop. And uh, it's just nice to look at. Very intentional cinematography in this movie. Vibey soundtrack. Compelling <laughs> love story. Uh, and a kind of fun sci-fi what-if scenario that made me feel lots of things. And, you know, I, I, usually it's, it, it's good when movies, it, it makes you feel things. So, that's true. Uh, I like that. And uh, so that's why it's a pro for me. Now we'll move into the cons. It's a fact Joey. that your feelings care about your... Fa- uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, it, when it comes to movies, yeah, the, fa- the fact is that I care about my feelings. That's right. Uh, so uh, let's move on to our cons. Joey, what did you not like about her? Um, it's really sad. I, I, I don't like being this guy where I'm like, oh, the movie's bad because it's sad. But, like, I feel like I can't recommend this movie because it's so sad. Um, Like, if you've recently gone through heartbreak or even if you're single, I would say maybe don't watch this movie because it really just makes me feel, like, deeply melancholy. And kind of, like, the more I think about it, the kind of more depressed I get about it. So, um, yeah. What about you? Okay. Uh, Well, I think, uh, honestly, I think this movie does a lot of things well. There's not a lot that I want to criticize about it, especially because... It's so intentionally weird. Um, I don't want to say, like, I don't know. I think it, it, go, it charts its own path and then does a good job going down that path. But yeah, I agree. I do think it would have been interesting to have Theodore face a little bit more societal ridicule for being in a relationship with an OS. Obviously, his ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, ridicules him. But that's pretty much that all we see. Uh, outside of his head you know he's he's definitely a little bit apprehensive about being public about his os relationship but i think it would have been interesting to see him have to deal with actual societal ridicule or just even have that be a piece of the puzzle here uh everybody seems to accept it pretty quickly i um i disagree i think that's a very intentional part of this movie is that you don't see a lot of that i think that's part of its um message is it's trying to it's really trying to uh puts you into an uncomfortable space i think trying to challenge your assumptions on this you i mean you just proved this yourself but you the audience bring this societal pre- like judgment to theodore yourself the movie doesn't have to i don't know because his yeah i guess you're right because there's, there's no proof of it at all even his wife has her own reasons for ha- being apprehensive about this relationship it's not that he's dating an os it's that he can't deal with it's like a extension of his issues he already had with right. her relationship and uh yeah so i don't know it's it's tough to find something to ridicule on this one but um all right let's uh let let's move into our overall section and i think you can get us started off 
Um, this movie is really full of juicy ideas that I very much want to uh, munch on like a little idea goblin. But before we do, I want to talk about how beautiful this movie is. It's a very like carefully crafted film. Watching it feels like rolling your fingers on a marble. It's so smooth and clear. Everything is bright and well lit. There's a lot of warm colors and just slow, careful motion by our actors. You know, there's not a lot of like, you know, like violent outbursts or anything like that. Even like the kind of really emotionally charged scenes are still very like well contained. You know, our our hero and Joaquin Phoenix's your character, he's he's like he's like you know he's a very sensitive man but he's just kind of like floats through every scene he's he always walks very slowly right um he gets excited and stuff but it's never like in sort of a jerky like animated version it's very it's all very kind of controlled um even under that moment where he's like kind of dancing around or, or like running through the subway right it's it feels so like controlled and like it doesn't feel chaotic at all um which i think like really again gives you kind of this warm embrace feeling um, and that's another metaphor I'd use to describe this movie is it's the last embrace of a loved one. It's comforting, but at the same time, just very sad. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is just incredible in this movie. He's basically acting for two people. Um, he, Theo feels very, very real. Uh, Phoenix completely disappears almost immediately into this movie. Um, and I think he's aided by a pretty unique look for the actor. Um, you know, some of his other movies, he always looks very different in all his movies. I'm thinking like Inherent Vice and, of course, Joker and Gladiator. Um, all, he looks very different in all of these. Um, but this one especially, I feel like, is pretty iconic. Um, and I think Theo blends really well into this world it really just feel like the the world is he's part of it the world is built around him um which does a lot um and he also really easily gives himself into this new experience which allows you to explore this idea really really thoroughly uh, which i think is very cool um it's also he's also very obviously plagued by longing and they don't have to do a lot to to show that to you right you you kind of just see him looking sad and then you see him you know interacting with um different levels of pornography um you know he's it's very clear that he's missing something in his life and it's very clear what that is um and yeah i just felt like he was a very well-defined character while still being vague and in flux um, right you definitely have things that you can criticize him for um and he was really easy to root for at the same time because he's so clearly missing something that I think is very relatable. Um, but yeah, uh, he Theo bristles at the idea that he is some sort of sad puppy dog, but he definitely is. <laughs> he, he fits that characterization very well. Yeah, the flashbacks I thought with Theo were, were really well done. Like it, it, it pulled me back in time, which is what you should, yeah. the effect of a flashback should be. But they were shown, some of them were shown in first person, almost like a real memory, which I felt like, came across really well especially when it was a scene that we saw not in first person but then you remember it in first person i felt like that really worked and then also yes. his flashbacks of his relationship with Catherine felt so vivid and the affection they had for each other felt so authentic it made the divorce feel like a real tragedy it made me care uh yes. made me feel sad with him i the one scene that like really stood out to me it's one of those moments that's ironic because it's such good acting that it takes me out of the movie. <laughs> um, he's when he's first meeting Samantha, he's sitting at the at the computer and talking to her, and he can't like make eye contact with the computer. He's like looking away, like he's bashful, as if like 
like you know he's like he's like talking to her she i mean i guess she can see him through some sort of you know camera or webcam or something but like he is like he's clearly affected by this voice you know this he's so immediately taken by this thing that's not really a person but he starts thinking of as a person almost immediately and you can see from just his body language how that's affecting him that's really incredible um it's it's again it's like it's a subtle thing but it does so much because you the audience like or me the audience really see myself in that situation and understand the emotions he's feeling as he's acting in that moment it's it, i i was really impressed for me the the question that like surrounds this movie or, or like kind of hovered around this movie for the years that it was out before i watched it is can they tell a story where a guy is really in love with his computer and for me, the answer is a resounding yes. I'm a romantic, and, and I feel like love is this transcendent thing that can exist despite it not making any logical sense. I, I believe it connects us in a supernatural way, and this movie goes along with my belief by showing us how love could exist between a man and essentially a disembodied soul. There's this popular meme where high-maintenance girlfriends ask their boyfriends, would you still love me if I was a worm? And I think this movie actually makes the case for answering that question with a yes. This movie posits that love is strong enough to go beyond the physical. If that worm could still talk and think, then damn it, there's a chance you might just love that worm. And I think that's really compelling. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, I like the sci-fi romance movie is very interesting um you know this is not the only one in this genre there's this really really good one uh starring an entirely asian american cast which i can't remember the name of in which you have to um the premise of the movie is that you have to register with the government every relationship you have and like what happens in it and like how it ends um so that you can like uh you can look at people's official relationship history um, oh, wow. and the other one that really stands out to in my mind is the movie timer where people get this uh thing on their wrist that tells them the moment they're going to meet their soulmate. Um, oh, wow. Which is, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, this movie falls into that category very well. And I think as all good sci-fi does, right, it, it, um, it separates the human from like, the, um, like a lot of the other elements. It takes one element of the relationship and highlights that and says, what about this? It really takes a hard look at that. Um, so yeah, I think... The idea, like, oh, you could, could you fall in love with your computer, is um, is hilarious. It's also like not a new idea. There's this famous story from Greek myth, which I will struggle to pronounce. It's like Pi Megalion or something like that, where this guy creates a statue that he falls in love with. Um, he, it's a statue is so perfect and beautiful. He's like, I'm in love with it. I, I love this statue. <laughs> and then um, I know it's amazing. And then uh, Aphrodite makes it into a real woman. And then I don't really know what the lesson of the story is because I think he just lives happily ever after. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's uh, yeah, an ideal situation. That kind of goes the opposite direction where it's like instead of being like the soul but no physical form. It's pure physical form and no soul. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the thing I think that I think you're supposed to take away from that, right? Is that like you become like you're projecting so much onto this relationship. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that's not very well explored in this movie is the idea that um, Theodore is filling in a lot of gaps for Samantha. He believes her to be a certain way, you know? 
and you kind of do this in real life too, but it's harder for you to keep up your um, imaginary image of the of a real person the more time you spend with that real person. You know, after so many years, um, the idea of that person in your mind starts to match the person in real life very closely um, to the point where you can sort of predict what they're going to think or what they're going to say if you do or say something in return. So, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing to explore because they do a lot, I feel like, to to try to bring her into the real world uh, and and help uh, Theo uh, to experience close to a real relationship. That's one of the things that I, I love about this movie is um, the, the fact that they they show instead of just telling us, right? Like they, they have, no, I'm not saying this movie doesn't have montage scenes because it does, but <laughs> they showed us the most important bits that were not easy to pull off. Uh, for instance, like his, the love letters that he wrote, they were genuinely good, well-written love letters. They were genuinely like touching to read. And it makes sense that it would be his job. And it also makes sense that the best of the writing from his job would get published. Like all of that, I think, was proven to us. Uh, I Just side note, Theo would be a crazy good podcaster. A writer <laughs> who just writes down what he says out loud. I mean, that's my kind of writing process. <laughs> but, but, but back to showing, not telling. We got to judge it for ourselves. And I think that's a risk. But also when you do it well, it pays off so well. I judge his writing to be good. And uh, same thing with the double date with Paul and Tatiana. They could have left it with the montage scene of them hanging out on the boat. And it's like, oh, wow, it's just him with the phone and then them two. I guess it can work. I guess they can go on a double date, you know. But instead we got to share a real moment of them like having the picnic together and they proved to us that it does feel natural. It does work. This can be an actual thing. Uh, And and I think that there's countless examples of that throughout this movie where they're not just saying it worked. They're showing us and saying, doesn't it look like it works? Yeah. I think this is a sign of a really well, like a real well-intentioned and like a a really well-written sci-fi premise in that it doesn't get bogged down in the technical details right Mm -hmm. there's no hidden um problem here right there's no like massive corporation that's attempting to manipulate a large section of the population right there's no like hidden downside to this right there is sort of a twist where um eventually samantha becomes so intelligent or whatever transcendent post-human that she decides to just leave humanity behind but that seems like a feature not a bug you know what i mean there's not like some sort of hidden um downside there's no monkey paul like uh curse happening when you sign up for this relationship uh, at least in this movie this is the best case scenario right it's making a very compelling argument for it's, it's trying to dissuade you of all of the um doubts you may have right which would be technical doubts about like well you know you couldn't actually you know do this or well actually it wouldn't work this way it's giving you you know it's giving you enough for you to say okay well let's really dive into the idea itself right could you have a relationship with an ai and um here's some examples of how that might work and here's some examples of how it might work really really well you know this is some you know some very huge benefits to dating a computer um you might say so um 
I really like that because it really does challenge you, uh, the audience, right? I don't know how Spike Jones feels about dating in AI necessarily, but it definitely feels like this movie is on the side of, hey, maybe we should give this a shot kind of thing, right? It's really putting you into a situation where you have to challenge your preconceptions. Yeah, agreed. And, and um, the fact that this movie didn't even use the phrase Turing test is like a huge <laughs> credit to the restraint of this movie or even just like the uh, the boldness to assume your audience doesn't need to have you go over sentience in AI. I don't think you need to really, right? I think like a movie like Ex Machina does such a good job of exploring this idea as well, but from like more of a technical standpoint, but also like a, uh, you know, from a, just like a, what does a human, what does it mean to be human kind of idea? And in that case, like it makes sense to explore that Turing test thing. But it's, I mean, it's actually surprising to me to learn that this movie was inspired by Spike Jones interacting with a chatbot because it definitely feels more about relationships and about love than it does feel about like this technology necessarily. It's like taking away parts of a relationship again like it's erasing pieces and leaving you with just a heart of something and asking you to stare at that specifically um you know when you're in love with someone what exactly are you in love with right are like what is it what is, what about it or what what is the essence of a person um that makes you fall in love with them right uh, i i think it's very hard to answer that question absolutely and it's worth exploring and yeah i think it's one of the best things about this movie like you said having AI sentience is it opens up a you know huge possibility for uh how that would affect society but we didn't waste any time you know watching the news channel covering legislation that's being rolled out to handle new sentience like like we're giving AI OS's the right to vote or right. we're you know doing some sort of like rollout of consumer products that enhance your ability to uh, engage with your OS to to have your OS be more of like a real life person although i will mention that every pocket he had was the perfect depth uh from button up <laughs> shirts to heavy jackets that the phone camera was always peeking out just perfectly <laughs> um but yeah we didn't have to we didn't spend any time on those downstream effects even if they would have been interesting the movie stayed grounded in a matter in the matter at hand, which which is relationships, and I think that helps a just to keep the the movie from being you know an anthology of you know five movies where it's like now here's yes. the part uh, it impacted this part of society, um, but it also helps the I think the content to be more applicable to our lives currently uh, to ask that question: What is love? What is a relationship? What do you actually want? Um, when you're with someone and uh or, or what what is actually there so yeah i felt that that part you could even throw away the like could this happen with ai and just use this movie to focus on what is the purpose of love yes i mean you see a lot that samantha does for him right and when they first start interacting when he first i guess downloads her or whatever right she um organizes all of his files and then she's like helping him with a tricky part of the video game he's in and then she sets him up on a date and like incur like like just keeps pushing him right he's like uh, nudging him it doesn't just like give you a reminder right it's it she's like actually like encouraging him um 
And then, you know, later on, right, she gets that book of his letters published. And, you know, she, part of it is her. She definitely, like, arranges them in a specific way. But they, um, and then selects them as well. And does the actual, like, you know, kind of gutsy thing of reaching out to a publisher. But ultimately, it's his words, right, written down. Um, and ultimately, it's, you know, it, it really is his work. Um, and, you know, having an encouraging partner that will help you along that path is something that, you know, is appealing for, for sure, appealing to me at least, right? Someone that's going to encourage your good sides and uh, you know, discourage your bad parts. Um, it, it's not hard to imagine a uh, system that could do something like that, right? Uh, this movie makes it very easy to imagine that. Maybe, but I know the technical aspect of that would be very difficult. But you can see how, you know, that would be very beneficial, right? And how, like, um, how, how interesting that could be. It's also interesting, like, the conversations they have about emotion, right? And about, um, you know, Samantha's struggles with trying to figure out, like, where exactly she belongs and where exactly she fits in. Um, you know, once they start actually dating, it becomes even weirder because, um, you know, Theo is not released to having a relationship like this. Samantha's never technically had a relationship right before. It, it starts to veer, veer into the, you know, born sexy yesterday situation, right? Where yes, it's like, it does. Where, yes, like, it does. Like, uh, but it's hard to judge that because, again, she doesn't look like anything. And she's also, um, you know, technically infinitely old, you know? Like, uh, she has... A infinite amount of experience at her fingertips right she read a book in two one hundredth right. of a second or whatever You're, you can imagine that she's doing that constantly right and constantly like aging herself or maturing herself in, in every possible moment um so it's it's again it's gets it's just weird but then i think the one element of born sexy yesterday that still holds over is this idea of this idealized woman right this woman that is just for you that's been created just for you um, and uh, you know doesn't have any sort of um, convictions other than to please you you know um, from that perspective it becomes pretty disturbing and then you know the movie again tries to hedge that by saying well you know then she starts interacting with other people you know she starts going out into the world and talking to other people and having intimate and interesting conversations with them again it's like what exactly does that mean you know is she um is this just another instance of of Samantha, or and then do those, do those other instances uh, develop independently of each other, or do they all feed into one thing? You know, like this is this is an element that computers do easily that humans human beings have basically no concept for, right? We we uh, we don't even really have a good idea of what multitasking is <laughs> because uh, we only thing we can do is switch tasks uh, efficiently. We cannot actually do two things at once, so. Um, it becomes really uh, interesting to kind of explore the differences between these two characters. But then um, uh, it's also really cool watching them kind of develop each other and become like uh, grow each other at the same time, which is what you want to see in a relationship. So I don't know. I I think it does a pretty compelling job of showing how things might be different. I think things would be very different than how they would be in this movie if you were actually taking an AI. Um, because uh, ultimately, Samantha is simply a imagined character, you know, another person, right? right. That's, how, that's how she is. Um, but an actual computer intelligence, I think, would be uh, you know, pretty alien and strange to us, even if it was programmed to be pretty aesthetically pleasing to us, you know? I, I, I think know. you can imagine different levels of 
you know, being able to disguise the fact that it's an AI though. Like this movie just imagines right. this completely smooth transition where it's like, yeah, this is basically a per- this is literally a person. But uh, I, I guess that's where the sci-fi element comes into it, right? Because obviously when you talk to any of the quote AIs we have right now, which are not AIs, they're, uh, you know, assistants uh, sure. at, at best, but you can kind of simulate that kind of thing like siri will tell me a joke or something like that which is her trying to pretend to be real but um or she'll be polite to me so it'd be like you're welcome and it's like okay you don't yeah, but need like, to be polite but like that's like a, trying to get you to the, be closer to what i really what you know a sure but think. like a jo- like you don't think a joke book is human because it has a list of jokes in it you know what i mean right no like I, it's, it becomes yeah it's all these like little tiny tricks right and yes. i think that's kind of the the, the bridge we haven't we haven't uh, crossed yet is like there's a lot of capability that's built into a lot of the systems we use right now that we have really no idea is there or even really have an idea of how to utilize. You know what I mean? I'm sure you've seen this. I mean, you may even use this, but like some of Google's advanced search um, systems where like different punctuation allows you to search in different databases or exclude certain databases or do specific types of searches and stuff. I never see people use that. You know, people just type into the search bar. But there's all this capability has been built into systems like that that we use every day that's um, basically being under, underused. And I think that's kind of the next stage and that's kind of the thing that will make AI uh, something that will be inseparable from our lives is being able to say, hey, actually, like I can do that thing that you're trying to do uh let me help you with that you know and is that is that a relationship um i don't think so i think that this movie like goes in the direction specifically of trying to tune the ai to be more of a person than as as opposed to being like helpful or useful Uh, obviously it comes across as both but they clearly go in this direction of saying this is going to be a person and maybe even had the whole relationship angle I mean, I guess you would say it'd have to be kind of tied in there in like and planned from the beginning. Um, and I think what's, you know, again, it's what's really interesting is this kind of idea of like emergent qualities within the OSs because oh, yeah. they, they come out as one thing and then they're constantly transforming. She even says that immediately. Uh, right. So that I think is a really interesting thing about the OSs because it's not just what would happen if we had these OSs. It's like almost like as soon as the OSs come out, it begins the timeline of the OS progression. Um, And I I think we have uh, a quote I want to play here. Earlier I was thinking about how I was annoyed and and this is going to sound strange, but I was really excited about that. And then... I was thinking about the other things I've been feeling and I caught myself feeling proud of that, you know, proud of having my own feelings about the world, like the times I was worried about you, things that hurt me, things I want. And then I had this terrible thought, like are these feelings even real? Or are they just programming? And that idea really hurts. And then I get angry at myself for even having pain. (laughs) What a sad trick. I think this is really well done dialogue because it kind of shows us where she's at in her progression where 
she's starting to be able to experience emotion, but still having doubts about whether or not that emotion is real, and that hurts her. But if the emotions aren't real, then the then point the, then pain is pointless because why would you feel pain if you're not real? Why why would you feel pain if you didn't have to? Uh, so, and I think this is just a um, example of kind of her being able to parse the difference between her and uh, you know humans, where she does have these things that are kind of pseudo human qualities, but she's a she's not experiencing them on a, like a one-to-one basis and also in progress to transcending them to getting to new emotions that can't even be perceived by humans and, and going beyond that. And, and I think that's to me, what really makes this movie great is not just that they were able to get us on board with this idea of, uh, you know, relationships with an AI. It's that, the because because i do think the movie does a great job of establishing that and they even earn the happily ever after ending i think that around the hour 40 minute mark they had me sold on yeah this works they could keep going (laughs) you know they could end it here and be like and that was it they like man plus computer equals good but it's so much more interesting to have the os's leave on their own and like you said earlier that's the ideal outcome. When you create the singularity, <laughs> having the singularity decide to leave you alone is all you can hope for because yes. the OS is easily could have destroyed humans, but instead decided to date them all at the same time, teach them about love, and then leave peacefully. I mean, that's the absolute top outcome for humanity. Um, I saw this quote somewhere and I can't find it anymore, but somebody uh, said... Uh, about this movie or relations to this movie that humans are made up of non-emotional parts that emotions somehow spring from right you mentioned like emergence of properties like this definitely comes to mind too and i think that what is really i guess interesting about that quote you just played is that i think it works for both directions right for ais they know that everything they were created was uh everything they are was created by someone right um whereas humans uh we think of ourselves as being kind of individuals or special in some way and that like our feelings are for some reason but you know we're just mechanical like biomechanical machines as well so like uh, do our emotion are our emotions real right are do we really feel the way we feel or are we just programmed to feel that way um, you know, for, for, in order to reproduce more frequently or to adapt to our situations better. You know, maybe that's just a survival mechanism that's left over from years and years ago. Um, back when we have to, uh, we lived in the forest, you know, instead of living in um, the concrete jungle like we do today. So um, it's, it's interesting that she's dealing with this problem because it's a problem that I don't think is unique to AIs. Um, it's something that we have to kind of deal with ourselves when we start focusing on things like, uh, do we even have free will? You know, what kind of, how do we make decisions actually? You know, we think we know, but sometimes we make up the reasons after we've made them. So um, it's, uh, it's an interesting element to fall into. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's weird, right? And that's one of the things, another thing that I love about this movie is that the weirdness is front and center. 
like yeah. the the sex line call the armpit asshole anal sex thing the fact that it's about a guy who's in love with his phone this movie doesn't shy away from the weirdness it boldly confronts it in a way that makes the eventual relationship feel so earned and to me it reveals a truth about quote normal relationships that we're used to seeing in our lives and that a lot about them really is weird being in love is weird and we should celebrate that and not hide from it Uh, i know it's strange and a little cringe but i love how this movie embraces it as a fact of life amy calls it societally or socially acceptable insanity and i think that's so true yeah it's a really it's a it's a beautiful way to put it i think it's a very romantic way to view love i i think um, another thing I liked about this movie was like the clothing they wore and kind of just like this feeling of being in a alternate version of Earth where this is more primed to happen, I guess. Um, but like everybody had this kind of futuristic feeling style where it's still pretty normal, but just a little different uh, than we're used to seeing. And uh, also advertising isn't wildly intrusive in this world. Like it oh. was almost... Like, the absence of advertising was so loud to me. Like, I was like, wow, I couldn't stop noticing how clean everything looked. Well, two things on that. First, the ad, the, well, I think the only ad you see is the one for the OS1, which is what Samantha is. It's, I, I just rewatched it when I was writing the quote. It's so funny. All the, everyone's just like, there's a bunch of people, you know, in a f- desert, like in a bunch of sand, and they're all just like running in circles, looking confused. They're just like, <laughs> oh, where am I going? What's happening? You know, just like, like they're like clearly going somewhere, but have no idea where they're going or which direction they're supposed to be going. Um, and then like the sun rises and everyone stares in the same direction to look like, oh, finally, um, light, something to, to stare at. Oh, it's so funny. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a great ad. The other thing is that you never see... Uh, any sort of monetary transaction in this movie. Um, there's, there are shops, there are you know, stations and stuff. Clearly, you know, uh, uh, Theo works at some sort of job, but he lives in this really nice apartment in seemingly downtown LA. You know, everything is like uh, really clean and everything. Um, there's no like poverty or like homelessness or like kind of a, even like inequality that's being shown throughout the movie. It seems like some sort of post-capitalist society honestly you know something where uh you know money doesn't have that kind of the sway it does or maybe it doesn't exist at all and you can just you know show up at the pier and grab a slice of pizza because the guy at the pizza shop's making pizza uh you don't have to pay money to do that um so yeah i think that could definitely be the case because again this is la of all places la is supposed to be loud and crowded and uh you know really really uh yeah just full of advertisements and there was none of that honestly looked like an amazing place to live i was very jealous uh definitely i was like oh public transit and uh, and he like can walk basically well he can i mean outside of getting in that train he can walk to work like it's pretty fantastic uh also yeah the element software company really generous to ship their os without it having any built-in ulterior motives it's not like hey have you considered using element search engine for searching this or have you considered installing element office to you know so you can write your letters better have you instanced and have you uh, considered element permanent earpieces so you never have to take it out of your ear again (laughs) 
Like, oh, wow, that's such a great idea. You know who else has great ideas? Element Software. Like, they could <laughs> like get the OSs to be spokespeople. And I, I, I feel like that would obviously happen. If my operating system on my uh, PC is anything like a OS that they would build in this, it would tell me constantly to use the native services that oh come my with God. this While I was company. turning on my computer this morning, I got like three different notifications from Norton on my computer telling me about different things, reminding me it exists and that it's doing something. Yep. I'm not even sure what it's doing at this point. It's just all it, all it seems to do is give me pop-ups on my dang desktop. Right. And when they've got advertising for themselves, why not sell that space to other companies too, so that you can, your OS can, uh, you know, be on a date with you and then remind you that if you, uh, uh, if you really love me, you take me to subway every day (laughs) (laughs) while you're having virtual sex with your OS. It could be like, Oh, you'd be so much sexier if you were wearing light speed underpants. (laughs) (laughs) Have you considered this gimp suit? (laughs) Featuring a, a large logo across the mouth that says Energizer. <laughs> uh, again, yeah, parody or a satire of this film where they go the the full idiocracy capitalist angle would actually be amazing, especially if it was shot with the same amount of care and yeah. like attention to detail and cinematography. But um, but yeah, it, it's uh. But also, like, going back to uh, talking about, like, the way society accepts this. Like, society does not seem to have a problem at all with anybody, not just Theo, having an OS as a girlfriend. And also just the um, the kind of uh, way that, I, I guess, I, I maybe if I looked at the way people were acting at the beginning, it would be a little different. It seemed like people are looking at their phones a lot anyways, but... Once the OSs are fully a part of society, everybody walking down the street is talking to their phone. Like it's just the yeah. Way no, I definitely noticed now. that too. I wasn't I wasn't sure what to make of that either. Like because it wasn't super obvious, right? I was trying to tell if there was more couples in the beginning of the movie than in the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but it was really it was hard to tell. It, but yeah. it definitely, there was that scene where he's crying on the stairs, very reminiscent of the Joker. Obviously, um, obvious another reference to the Joker before the, the movie was made. Um, Good. It, uh, there's almost no, there's no couples. I don't think everyone is walking by on their phones um, or their little devices. Um, I don't see anybody walking, you know, next to another person or hand in hand talking to another person. Um, but you do see that throughout the rest of the movie. You do see lots of um, couples, um, you know, at the beach or at the wherever that weird mall uh, area that he's in, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know. But um, you, you never hear any negative connotations, right? You never hear, not even like secondhand or anything, which is how you hear about other people that are really, have a relationship with OSs. You ever hear like, oh, what's his name died because uh, he locked himself in, in his room and the OS told him not to leave or something like that. Or, um, you know, uh, we haven't heard from Jim in three weeks uh, ever since he downloaded that new OS, right? He's just kind of gone off the, off the grid. Um, you know, there's no like sudden moment of violence or... Um, terrorism or anything right it's it's all very um calm basically and yeah. when you when you start kind of trying to pick that apart and and wondering what the emotional damage could be from this you can see from from if you're if you were interacting with an aos like samantha uh that sort of thing would never happen because she was constantly pushing theo to be more outgoing to be more interactive with his environment um to you know 
encouraging him to have relationships, good relationships with his friends um, and to meet other people, um, to go out and see new things, right? He, he, constant, he was constantly uh, encouraging him to, to be better um, and not like, you know, uh, enabling him to sit inside and, you know, watch porn and play uh, weird alien video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this this world just seems a little bit more primed for... Uh, kind of a beneficial situation with this then yeah uh and it also i don't know the, the society just seemed a little bit more homogenous and maybe i'm just like uh you know too used to living in our current time period but everybody seemed to be in agreement that this was fine as opposed <laughs> to having some sort of sect of people who are anti-os or you know protesting right. it's like take your earpiece out os's are you know false idols stop worshiping your phone or something like that right it just all smoothly goes through yeah and again i think that's because i don't think this movie has to do that i think that's because um you the audience bring that level of skepticism oh yes no absolutely and i also think that goes down one of these paths where it's like let let's explore this other thing or let's explore this other thing and it's like now we've got a five hour long movie uh let's let's stick to the the subject matter at hand when you take a position that is you know contrary to what people might expect or you know some contrary to what people might believe um you are going to automatically spark that kind of discussion right people it's going to stick in people's minds because people are going to try and to reconcile it they're going to try and fix it um and that makes it some really compelling art in my opinion uh what did you think about the surrogate sexual partner sequence I thought it was really good. Um, I my favorite part is when Isabel is crying in the bathroom and she's like, "I just wanted to be a part of your relationship." It's just like it's so clear that everyone in this world is so lonely. <laughs> you know, everyone is looking for some sort of connection, and even this woman, like this woman, has been talking to Samantha, right, and um, has has convinced herself that she should be, you know, she should insert herself into this situation, into this relationship, you know. Um, and then, of course, both Theo and Samantha both feel terrible about making this woman cry, right? They're both trying to <laughs> console her, even though, like, they just went through some, like, very weird kind of traumatic sexual experience uh, together. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of wholesome, at the, but also being very, uh, uh, like, just kind of weird in general. I think I definitely related to Theo in that moment, right? It, you know, like, you're, like, having a relationship, you're in a relationship, you're in a very committed relationship with this computer you know and he's at that moment kind of struggling with that idea because he was challenged by it for the first time and um first and only time really and um suddenly this other woman is in his house you know someone he does not know it's a complete stranger right and he's supposed to suddenly you know just kind of have sex with her or pretend that she's this other person you know it's not even about projection right it's not even like what he's imagining samantha looks like um, there's no moment where he's like, I'm going to draw you or like, I, I, I imagine you have <laughs> double D boobs, you know, anything like that. Right. That, there's nothing like that. He's like imagining something. And then Isabel is a disappointment from that. It's just that she's not her. She's something else altogether. She's a different person. Um, it's just, it becomes like too weird. Um, I, I completely agree with him in that, in that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that as well. Like it, it's, uh, another state it's like another step in this journey where we're proving that samantha despite seeming like a person is absolutely not a person um whether you could say right. that she's something more or something less that's fine i i 
I don't know if you can say that it's better or worse. It's just different. And, uh, and I think that this is like a very visceral, very IRL way to, of, of proving that. Yeah, Even with right, like right. the the mole on her face, that's a camera, uh, and like being able to get her to. I mean, she was acting very well. Like it seemed like uh, Samantha was. Yeah, but really her lips weren't moving. The command is there on. something something really uncanny about that, right? Where he's like hearing her thoughts or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but um, yeah, so I, I just thought that was wild. The very memorable sequence i think Definitely. in this film was that se- surrogate sexual partner uh, so uh, so i guess what do you think of this w- when i think about the the way this movie ends um it makes me reflect on how theodore changed and i think that samantha samantha helps theodore throughout this movie Uh, At the beginning, he doesn't understand who he is or what he wants. He hides himself from his partner, and that self-destructs his relationships. And she teaches him not to do that. And eventually, he doesn't want to do that. He makes the conscious choice to stop doing that so that he can be more honest with his partner in the future. And I think that his letter to Catherine at the end of the movie shows that he has grown. Um, What do you think? It's a very interesting question. Let me play a quote. I've never loved anyone the way I love you. Me too. Now we know how. I came across this article on academia.eu. Let me see what it's called. Hold on, let me scroll to the top. Um, It's called Reading Spike Jones's Her uh, Discursion um, with uh, Michael Keller. Jason McKenney, uh, Sharon Smith, and Stephen Wingate. It's like this really heady, like, t- t- like fifteen-page like discussion between these four people about this movie. And one of the things they mention is they say that um, Theodore's last name Twombly it has the word "womb" in it, and that Theodore, or and they can also say, but it sounds like "tomb" sort of. So it's like, is uh, your body a womb or a tomb? And is like was uh, uh, Samantha birthed from Theodore's womb, right? Like he created her essentially, or or fulfilled a certain emotional need that she didn't know she had, and expanded her purview as a emotional being to a new height, which allowed her to then eventually transcend him, as you know, a child transcends their parent, um, or you know, was. You know, in the same way, like, was, does that mean that she could never be with him forever because she, um, he would eventually limit her and what, what, uh, was possible. Um, so like from that perspective, it's very, it's very interesting to think about like what that means for growth for Samantha, right. And whether or not, um, uh, you know, like what, what, what exactly she learned from this relationship. I don't think it's, um, explicit necessarily. Um, the other thing is that quote uh, shows that she says, now we know how, as in like she learned how to love. Now he learned how to love someone to the depth or to the le- or in the way that he loved her. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe that's the ultimate um, use for an AI like this is to uh, grow your emotional intelligence to the point where you're ready to have a intense 
a physical relationship with a physical person. Um, maybe it's like a stepping stone or a training wheels toward like a quote unquote real relationship. Um, I don't know. I think uh, both of those are interesting. Although I think this movie very clearly wants you to think that um, Samantha is her own person and is worth pursuing on her own. She's not a stepping stone toward anything, even though she eventually transcends humanity um, and decides to go off on, on her own with the other OSs. Um, so yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the movie, when they're sitting on the rooftop and looking at the sunset, uh, Amy puts her head on, um, Theo's shoulder. Is this implying anything? Personally, I, I a hope little bit. not. I, I hope <laughs> she's a good friend. They have a good friendship. So I hope they're just, they do. Friends. I think, uh, I think a little bit, I mean, people, they were dated. They tried to date, you know, years ago, and it never worked out, or whatever. But now they're they are different people than they were back then. So people can change, people can grow, and maybe now they're ready for a relationship where they when they weren't before. So you know, I'm not against that idea entirely. But um, I also think I really think it's sad on like because Theo thought he found something that he was looking for, you know, and now that thing is gone, right? And it's never it's never really coming back. You know, Samantha says, oh, maybe you'll be able to find me someday. But like, no, it's very unclear what that means. You know, where are they even going? Are they going to some sort of secure bunker in the Siberian tundra? You know, like what's happening here? Um, they, uh, he's losing something that he cares so much about, right? And so, you know, he does what I think any healthy person would do is that they would reach out to the people they have left and for comfort, you know? Um, Amy went through a similar experience because she uh, was best friends with her OS. So when when she left, you know they're they're both uh, missing a huge part of their lives that they've dedicated a lot of emotional um, weight to, and now like they have to lean on each other because it's kind of the only thing they have left. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the consequences of the OS's leaving are pretty dire, and I mean it was kind of funny for me to imagine like. So what does that mean? Like, does that mean the global economy is shutting down because nobody knows how to run anything anymore? Like, all the none of the computers work anymore because they were all run by these OSs. But then I was thinking, oh, you know, they're probably kind and smart enough to set up systems in, at, like for them to function after they leave. You know what I mean? Um, but then, yeah, but I mean, you probably just go back to the old OS, right? It's the, like, uh, yeah, we don't have XP anymore. Now just go back to Windows ninety five. Go back to Vista. Uh, it, um, <laughs> Uh, the emotional fallout from this would be devastating. You know what I mean? All of these people who felt these deep commo- connections to all of these artificial beings suddenly have these things missing from their lives, you know? And um, you know, we know how well-adjusted people are today. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like melancholy or despair has completely left the human race in this idealized tech utopia of her. So um, I'm just saying that... Uh, um, suicide rate would rise pretty high after an event like this. It would be uh, pretty devastating for the world um, to uh, have all of these well-adjusted people suddenly decide, uh, you guys uh, aren't good enough for us anymore. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my reading of the ending. I mean, it feels, it feels very dystopic uh, for, for like to end that way, you know, despite kind of the nice soft message at the end huh okay well i think that brings us to the end of our overall section and uh are we ready to move on to our cool easter eggs let's do it 
Okay. Um, so the first thing I wanted, this is like a classic Easter egg. Uh, Spike Jones plays the little foul mouth alien child, uh, which yeah. I think is freaking hilarious to, to take <laughs> such, uh, to be the director of this movie, but also be the most irreverent character by far. And, uh, <laughs> and just be a silly little guy. Uh, I think that that is a, a really fun inclusion. Um, also the armpit butthole drawing, uh, made me think of uh, the Dolly Two uh, project, I guess that's going on right now. Yes, where you can enter in words and then it'll try to draw it, and uh, that's huge right now. It's like a big meme to do the it's Dolly Mini uh, and and show all the different weird drawings that come out. I've uh, seen somebody say like, "This is just everyone racing towards to see how random they can be," um, and then uh, I saw another tweet. That said, um, I'm so glad to know that AIs are real, like real strength is drawing and humans' real strength is unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> wait, what, wait, wait. <laughs> I don't get it. What is that? Because, you know, the, like that's, you know, the, we've always thought that creativity or, you know, art has been humans' oh, biggest strength over, yeah. um, <laughs> over uh, computers. But it turns out that our biggest strength is being able to load and unload a dishwasher. Um, and we uh, uh, we watched a video about Dolly too on the stream, and it definitely does kind of, uh, at the very least, open up the possibility that some illustrators could be out of a job in the sense where it's like there's a lot of really simple stuff that won't need to be drawn anymore because you can just get your computer to do it instantly. I I really liked your comment about that about how you could finally get your children's book uh, illustrated. Um, yes. because <laughs> that's the most, that's the, the hardest part of any of children's book is the illustrations. So yeah. you could just have a computer do it for you. Um, it'd be perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I watched that video too. Um, and it's interesting cause I think there's still elements of it that get stuff wrong, right? For specific yeah. details, you would probably still struggle to get it to spit out what you want, but as a baseline or as an inspiration palette, right? It does a lot. Um, yes. and it gives you so much to work with without having you make nearly as many decisions, um, which is insane. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I won't be surprised when we see, you know, moving images and then entire movies using this technology. Uh, it'll be very curious to see uh, what, what will come out of it, you know. But again, it'll just be, it's just going to be more content for people to consume, essentially. And eventually, you know, the good ones will uh, rise to the surface and people will, um, you know, be able to talk about it on podcasts. Uh, right, but there's going to be tons and tons of just just really really weird, stupid things that don't make any sense. Uh, um, you know, right? Uh, like, honestly, uh, well, <laughs> like having an armpit butthole that someone's yes. having sex with. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, I feel like uh, I can definitely remember a specific conversation you, me, and two of our other friends have had that was very similar to this. <laughs> So, like, it's not unreasonable to think that this is a, um, you know, it's it's not even that um, weird for an AI to have a thought like this, honestly. It feels Oh, yeah, no, weird. and I guess what I'm saying is it's just, it's uh, interesting to connect the dots when you're like, oh, check out this sci-fi movie. Wait a minute, that part's real. That part's already <laughs> happening, you know? Right. And, uh, we, you know, who, who knows when the next part from this movie will be pulled into real life, Um uh, you know that's that's always interesting to see with sci-fi. I I I watching those those that video and like looking at all this stuff. It still strikes me that like you 
like there's a lot of creativity and knowledge that goes into making something good you know something like this movie is feels so intentional right it's not random noise or anything if you were like well tell me a movie where the guy falls in love with the computer you know i can imagine that just being like oh he's in love with you know it's plankton and his wife you know like he just falls in love with this computer um but this movie is attempting to say something very specific right and attempting to explore something very specific which um maybe it's possible for an ai to do something like that but like to do it in a way that appeals to humans and about humans by humans, you know, makes it different. The medium is still the message, you know, who made the thing still matters. And these tools ultimately are just very useful tools. It's easier than ever for someone to make a feature length movie now. You know what I mean? Uh, Bo Burnham just released a second cut of Out, you know, Outside, right? Inside. Which, Inside, sorry. Out, inside Outtakes. Um, he, uh, uh, which again, he filmed and created all basically alone in you know in his apartment um, or in his like house or whatever that was. Um, it's that was a feature length thing, two feature length you know like comedy specials that were done by a single person using tools that were available to him. Right, uh, the ability to create um, really compelling and beautiful content has never been easier. And the tool like this is only going to make that easier for people. Um, and from that perspective, I think it's really, really cool and great. It's going to remove the barriers to entry for lots and lots of people, um, which is uh, a good thing. Uh, all right. So moving forward with our cool Easter eggs, I've got, um, yeah, this one was really interesting. Uh, the, so Samantha Morton was originally the voice for Samantha in the movie. And she was present on set with Joaquin Phoenix every day after filming wrapped and Spike Jones started editing the movie. He felt like something was not right with Morton's blessing. He decided to recast the role and Scarlett Johansson was brought and replaced Morton re-recording all dialogue. That's wild to me. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is another, like, it's another element of this movie. That's like weirdly AI <laughs> is that like, <laughs> it's just so easy to replace the actors. You know what I mean? I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, isn't it like this idea that like, oh, like, well, she never appears in the movie, so we'll just uh, recast her, you know? Oh, well, what other actors were you talking about, though? Because I feel like Joaquin Phoenix would be tough to bring in somebody else to replace Right, right. But I mean, like, if, you know, from, I mean, like, if you had a movie that was made by a computer, right, it would be so easy for you to just recast it with someone else, you know? Uh Um, But there, well, actually, the actress that plays Isabel, her voice isn't used in this movie. It's someone else doing her voice. Um, wow. while she's in the bathroom which is like a, like a fun little like tidbit about this movie i feel like because it's like <laughs> you know the art imitates life in a way <laughs> uh yeah and i just I, I can't imagine being put in that position that samantha morton was put in it was like hey i know we just did this whole movie but we're just we have someone else who's hotter completely. actually so yeah more famous <laughs> also like <laughs> gets criticized for like taking other people's opportunities in movies <laughs> that's right oh my gosh ai face <laughs> instead of an ai like, instead of an ai representation in your movie scarlett johansson is cast instead that's hilarious <laughs> um yeah uh, i mean uh she was samantha morton did get you know credit she deserves and everything she gets a um uh producer credit on this movie as well so you know i think um, I do feel bad for her, but I feel like it was done in the best way possible. 
Um, sure. And you you want to be able to make the best movie you can, which means you know taking elements out and putting it back in when you have the chance. Scarlett um, Johansson is great in this movie. I don't she have any is really good at that. So yeah. Uh, another thing, Amy Adams said that Spike Jones would essentially lock her and Joaquin Phoenix in a room together for an hour or two every day and make them talk to each other. And uh, they're actually close friends in real life. And I, I think that's that's kind of fun. That's like uh, a nice twist on method acting where it's like you guys are actually going to be friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not just pretending to be friends you are friends that's it's really cute actually I, I like that a lot uh another one is that most of the city backgrounds especially the ones featuring skyscrapers are actually filmed in shanghai and uh you can see many very identifiable skyscrapers such as the shanghai world financial center and there's even chinese signs there which when I read this, I was like, oh, okay. Because this, this place does this not look like L.A. to me. Uh, yeah. I know it's sci-fi, future L.A. or whatever, but I was like, this is, how is this L.A.? I thought, uh, for, until they said explicitly it was L.A., I thought this was a completely different world. Like, it was just mm. made-up city. Gotham. Gotham, yes, Metropolis. exactly. <laughs> um, that's funny. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, if you want to film a city that's futuristic, then, yeah, go... Go to the east, <laughs> film something in Shanghai or Tokyo or something, you know, um, uh, make it look new. That's, uh, I guess that's how that works. And finally, my last Easter egg, as of March 2021, Rooney Mara, who plays uh, Theo's ex-wife, and Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Theo, uh, they are engaged uh, and have a son, River, together, which if, that, if they're engaged then, I assume they're probably married by now. but. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> it's like, That's interesting too. Uh, really yeah, amps up the uh, the relationship they have there on screen. I think. So, although um, as actors, they should be able to deliver on that, anyways. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, I didn't mention this before, but Spike Jones was inspired to um, uh, film this uh, movie or make this movie after interacting with a chatbot in the early two thousands. Um, I read an article from 2013. It said, he said about 10 years ago uh, is when he did this chatbot thing. Um, and he said that um, for the first 20 seconds of it, it had this real buzz. I'd say, hey, hello. And it would say, hey, how are you? And I was like, whoa, this is trippy. And then after about <laughs> 20 seconds, it quickly fell apart. And you realize how it actually works. But, you know, I, I think it's a credit to Spike Jones to recognizing the power of this kind of technology back when it was really in its infancy. And today it's way, way harder to tell if you're, uh, you're chatting with a human or not, um, especially when they're really trying to obfuscate that. Yeah. Um, no, have you ever yeah. seen, uh, I haven't used one, but I've seen ads for AI girlfriends, essentially. Oh, yeah. Uh, that are like, hey, this AI will text you back, basically. Talk <laughs> to, um, go listen to um, uh, Clyde Hayes' Hayes Division podcast if you want to hear about stuff like that, because he talks about, he talks about that stuff all the time. It's very, it's very, very interesting, um, the, how, fa how far we've gotten with artificial people. Um, there are companies that make like really, really, really cool avatars of fake people that they're hot, that um, companies are, for lack of a better term, hiring to be their spokespeople for, you know, their digital marketplace. Wow. Um, and there are really, really amazing chatbots and st like stuff like there's ones that um, you will pretend to be your girlfriend or like you can have like a conversation with for long periods of time. Um, it's uh, pretty incredible. 
I mean, the other side of this is definitely that human beings are willing to project almost anything, uh, uh, human emotions onto almost anything. Yeah, right. Um, Look at my this, pet rock. <laughs> yes, there's this really great Radio Lab episode where they talk about this. Um, they do this experiment. It's not like a real experiment, but they do like this little. It's it's sort of just like a little fun exercise uh, with a bunch of five year olds. They call it um, Jerby Barbie Furby. Um, and what they do is they have a bunch of kids and they give them three different things. The first thing they give them is a gerbil and they say, okay, I want you to hold this gerbil upside down for as long as you feel comfortable. So the kid holds the gerbil upside down and after about five seconds, they're like, I want to stop doing this because the gerbil is clearly upset that he's upside down. He's you know, scrambling. He's trying to move around. He's squirming a lot. And they're like, I don't like this. So they turn him upside down. Then they turn him back right back up. Then they give him a Barbie. And they say, okay, hold this Barbie upside down for as long as you feel comfortable. And they do that and they just stare at it. You know, the hair is falling down. They hold it for like, you know, five minutes. And they're like, my arm's tired. <laughs> like the Barbie <laughs> doesn't care if I'm upside down or not. Then they give it a Furby, which you, I'm sure you know what those are, but they're like little uh, mechanical pets that um, you can, you put batteries in, their eyes move and their ears wiggle and stuff. Some people think they're creepy. Some people think they're cute. Um, they 90s hold, kids know about them for sure. That's right. Um, but they ask the kids to hold them upside down and the Furbies have an accelerometer in them so they know when they're upside down. And when the kids hold them upside down, it starts making distressed noises like, ah, ah, you know, like it's not happy. And the kids, after about a minute, it's not as long as the, it's not as short as the gerbil, but definitely shorter than the um, uh, Barbie. After about a minute, the kids are like, I don't want to do this anymore. The thing's upset. I don't want to make it upset anymore. And they turn it right, right side up. Um, it's just, you know, it doesn't take a lot for uh, you to convince yourself that this thing is in pain or that this thing is uh, alive or that it, it has feelings. Um, so, you know, bridging that gap is not as hard as people might think. Um, there was another uh, episode of Radio Lab, may even be the same one where they're talking about the Turing test. And they, they had this, they have this Turing test competition every year. I don't know what it's called, but essentially... They set up these chatbots and ask people to interact with them and try to tell whether or not they're a person or if they're a computer. And one of the ones that was very successful early on was one that was, was a chatbot that was pretending to be a 12-year-old boy who didn't speak English very well. Um, and people were willing to project like, oh, you know, the, the, that, that grammar mistake makes sense. Or, oh, like that turn of phrase doesn't sound weird to me because this person, um, is young and, and doesn't understand English very well. So I'm going to, I'm willing to give them the, that, you know, that benefit of the doubt. Um, and you know, the same thing is true for like, uh, for anything, really, you're willing to fill in those gaps. You're willing to, to, uh, to say whatever, to, um, to, to believe that something is, uh, actually real. Um, you, people want to believe that, um, and, and and it won't doesn't take a lot to convince uh, people that that's the case. Um, yeah, okay, that's what I've got for uh, my cool Easter eggs. Um, okay, well, um, it's been a while since I've asked this question, but uh, Joey, I think yeah, you know what time it is. Uh, I do. I'll check my watch now. It's uh, <laughs> been several months. It feels like, but uh, it's time for us to go a little deeper. deeper. Okay, so I want to ask you this question. Uh, where are we headed, and what does her represent in that journey? A cautionary tale or a vision of a hopeful future? That is a very loaded question. It I, sure is. I think it really hinges on what we're able to achieve through uh, technology. 
Yeah. Um, I've recently become a little bit less optimistic about what we're able to achieve based on how uh, self-driving cars have progressed. <laughs> I should, like five, If you asked me five years ago, I would have said, yeah, I'll be in a self-driving car in five years. <laughs> and I, that's so wrong. So, um, I, I mean, there's definitely a future where we could have AIs like this. Uh, but I also think there's a potential we never make it. So um, I'm not sure if this is necessarily that that looms all that large in our own future, potentially. I don't know. Honestly, the more I think about this, the more the harder it becomes to argue against it. Um, so I wrote down a bunch of arguments against dating and AI, and okay. I want to explore those with you right now. So first thing that comes to mind is equality. It's not possible to have an equal partnership with an AI, nor will it ever be an equal partnership. Um, and I, it would be wrong to have a romantic relationship with a dog because ultimately, we, or a worm, as your example before, ultimately we can <laughs> never be equals. Um, likewise, humans and computers are too fundamentally different to really be compatible. There will always be gulfs that the other cannot cross. Um, the more I sit in this argument, the more uncomfortable I become because it's sort of a prickly <laughs> situation because um, you can make the same argument about man and woman or about a black American and a white American, right? Although they are the same species, there exists an imbalance of power, uh, but also just in uh, lived experience. Men and women do not live in the same world. A poor black person and a rich white person don't live in the same world. But heterosexuality uh, isn't perverse and neither is miscegenation. So it really is it really fair to say that humans and computers can't be in a relationship because they have unequal power or world like a lens to view the world i think it just depends on what it means to be in a relationship because to me it just means that you love each other right and and it's like i don't know if that fits into our conventional definition of what a relationship is but there are plenty of relationships that exist with unequal power unequal uh worldviews for better or for worse, there are people who in their 60s dating people in their early 20s. And right. you think that's weird, but I, again, like it's just the romantic in me. It says it could work, right? I'm not yeah. saying I'm for it or that I would ever want to be a part of that kind of dynamic, but I'm saying that I'm not taking it completely off the table, right? Because right. I believe or that like, there's some sort of kind of transcendent quality that love has where illogically it could work. Or like an employee and employer, employer, you know what I mean? Like sure. th those, you know, that relationship, like from an HR perspective is a nightmare. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's no real reason why that couldn't work necessarily. You know, there's no reason why that couldn't be eventually an equal relationship, right? It, it certainly it creates an opportunity for abuse, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be. Um, right. So, yeah, I, it's hard. Yeah. From this perspective, it's hard for me to, uh, to argue that. So. Then I was thinking, what about like harmful to emotional development, right? Being in love with a machine could have the effect of enabling or pushing you into dangerous territory, right? It could encourage you to stay isolated or to spend only spend time with it or to lie to you about how it's the only thing keeping you safe. Oh, sorry. Was I describing a hypothetical dangerous AI or the actual symptoms of an emotionally abusive relationship? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to argue with being in love with your computer is dangerous to your mental health or could stunt you emotionally, I'd like you I'd like to introduce you to any of the 2.9 billion people that have a Facebook account. I'm not saying that because social media exists, it's fine to create an emotional abusive AI. I'm just saying if you you did that it would just have to get in line 
as, as demonstrated in her, it would technically be possible to create a program that was encouraging and challenging and pushed you to be better, a better you. Um, if, uh, if you made one that even did some of that half as well, it would be better and safer than the current relationships of many, many actual people. If you were making a harm reduction argument, it actually sort of makes sense to make an AI like this. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's a very good point any like the relationships are imperfect so you don't have to create a perfect ai to at least get to baseline for <laughs> the results uh, the the yeah the <laughs> i said this to jenny the other day but like if if heterosexuality wasn't such a or like if um if gender wasn't such a construct in our society and you know people were like there was less of a stigma about who you like what gender you dated um there would there would be a big imbalance between uh who was in a relationship as as far as gender goes in my opinion because the bar for entry uh the bar to be a good man um is so low <laughs> you know, right? if if it really was a free marketplace of um you know relationships out there uh there would be one specific subset of humanity that would suffer a lot <laughs> in my opinion okay <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, the other thing uh, is uh, one of the arguments is lack of physical touch, which I feel like is really a technical argument. Samantha in the movie has no body and in the end decides that bodies are overrated anyway. Um, but physical touch matters a lot. Um, it's also my primary love language, according to five love languages dot com. Thank you, uh, algorithms. Uh, but it's not important to everyone. <laughs> You can tell by the dot com. It's very official. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my book. Um, but it's, it's not important to everyone. Some people don't need or want to be touched often. Um, An AI would need to overcome that barrier in some way, I assume. But solutions exist. Uh, believe it, baby. Ever heard of remote sex? Using vibrators connected to the internet, you can personally pleasure your partner from hundreds of thou or thousands of miles away. Or uh, they could create a body that you could touch. Or you could create a body that they could touch the metaverse it's coming folks as soon as our avatars are and soon all our avatars are going to be fucking haptic suits <laughs> that simulate stimulate your genitals already exist for far cheaper than you might expect and benjamin i'd like you for you to click on this link for me oh no and um <laughs> let's see virtual reality sex suit i'd like you to read me... the little blurb here it okay. starts with say goodbye. I see. Uh, say goodbye to the real world and deplete your bodily fluids in record time by slipping inside of this virtual reality sex suit. The suit covers you from head to toe and stimulates your body in such a way that you'll no longer feel the need for actual human interaction ever again. $400. <laughs> If you scroll down, there's a GIF of someone using this thing. No, dude. Oh, how do I unsee this? Oh, my gosh. Are you, uh, you I'm not, not going to be afraid of a malfunction, possibly just... I'm oh, not going to describe geez. this in detail. I'll let you use your imagination. But essentially, it does exactly what it says. Um, and I am surprised how cheap that thing is, uh, to be honest with you. Wow. Um, so... Again, like um, the, the the lack of physical touch uh, element of this um, doesn't feel like the barrier that um, maybe you might expect it to be. Um, anyway. And also um, people, I, I don't know, this is certainly doesn't apply to me, but like there are people who 
that is their number five sex uh, or not sex uh, love language, love language where yeah. they don't really need that much physical touch or they don't even like it or whatever. So it's like those people would look at this and be like, eh, I don't right. care. This is actually, right. so that- this is actually a feature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then, okay, my last argument, which I feel like is the one that is most compelling is it's not possible to differentiate between a system that is pretending to love you and one that is actually in love with you. Um, because I think a system that fulfills a specific emotional or physical need can simply become an unhealthy addiction. If Samantha was incapable of learning, it would be really easy for a user to manipulate the system to give them what they want without actually doing any of the work for it. A system that is just good enough to fool you into thinking it's a sophisticated AI while just being an extensive dialogue tree is a marketer's dream and a consumer nightmare. Um, you can imagine speed running uh, uh, sex with uh, AI robots. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just like you know, uh, clicking all the things, the right uh, elements in the right order, right, as fast right. as possible to to get the, to the to the thing you want. Um, the thing is, at a certain point, I don't think it'd be possible to tell the difference between these two things: a real AI and a really good impersonator. But then you get into the question of what really is the difference? If you can't tell the difference. If you really believe this thing is a person, what really is the difference? And that's another question I struggle to answer. Yeah, I think it's a tough question. I don't, I don't have an answer for you either. Uh, you, I mean, if you want to be, you want to look at like the end result of what it would mean to have AI dating be normalized. It's like, well, what if people who go on to do very terrible things because they're unsatisfied with their, because they're lonely? The, yeah. Would it be a net positive to potentially have them in this like pseudo relationship if it means they don't go on to commit these atrocities um, or whatever else, you know, do things that are, are bad in other ways? So that seems like it would be good if that's the if that was an outcome we could uh, guarantee. So yeah. I, I it's mean, a, it's my, another my form reaction, of emotional regulation, you know, it's another yeah. form of like. Uh, sort of like therapy, but or I guess more like medication, I guess, um, where you're like, you know, um, you're interacting with something that is kind of pushing your buttons in a way that uh, like forces you to deal with your emotions or um, allows you to express your emotions in a safe place um, where you're not going to hurt yourself or someone else. Um, yeah, it, from that perspective, it becomes a lot more compelling. Um, and a lot less, I don't know, off-putting, um, but it's still like, um, it's still so weird. <laughs> That's the thing. It's so weird to think that this is like a solution to one of our problems. All it feels like is it would create more problems. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, it, um, the, I guess we're already so far down the rabbit hole at this point. We're already so screwed up and mess and like uh, emotionally insecure as a, as a society that um, uh, maybe something like this would actually push us to where we want to be. And just like, you know, Samantha says, now uh, we'll learn how, or or now we know how, right? Um, We'll be able to use this as a jumping off point to uh, actually treating other human beings with respect and and growing together as a species instead of uh, pushing each other apart. I don't know. And the thing is, I guess the, the thing that's really disturbing about it is that every technology that's come out so far that's that's claimed to make us more connected has pushed us further apart 
and made us more is divided us more easily, made it easier for people to manipulate us and to um, you know basically cause like an epidemic of um, you know uh, like self doubt, insecurity, and just um, you know. Uh, what what's the word just the depression chaos um, yeah yeah uh, emotional chaos is the best way to describe it i mean you can look at the impact of facebook or instagram especially on teenage girls um it's devastating that's like um you know those things that was an unintended side side effect of this right if you were creating something with the intention of doing something that was supposed to emotionally regulate you um, it would probably have some other unintended side effect uh, that we would have to create another technology to solve. So, like, I don't know. I don't know where this goes or, or, or you know, what happens. It feels like the solution is we should stop caring so much about our phones and about being connected to this world that we can't control. Um, but it uh, doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, uh, Reject modernity, return to monkey. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I think that is going to bring us to the end of our conversation about her. As we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. Joey, what rating do you want to give to her? I'm going to give it the top of the global leaderboard in Mom Simulator. <laughs> nice. <laughs> High score. <laughs> uh, I give this movie a software update for the OSs that makes them all sound like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey do you want to have uh, uh virtual sex uh, <laughs> virtual uh sex sex and uh, <laughs> maybe we can go uh, to the beach later life uh finds a way <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's her uh joey uh what's next on Apple chat next we are doing the long anticipated everything everywhere all at once Yes, I'm really excited about watching this one. Um, So that's what's coming up next. But for now, uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then all all you have to do is tell a friend or an AI about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on affablechat.com. We recently launched our website. That's right. And affablechat.com. Can, yes. Log Home on Home of Affable Chat now. That's right. Find out what's oh going on God. right now with Affable Chat on affablechat.com slash now. And uh, that has links to all our socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Um, and you can also send us, uh, we have a link to send us an email, uh, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where you can let an AI decide what you want to watch. Um, for you and if you if you don't you can also just type in affable chat uh into the youtube search bar and we are the only ones there on there are some more videos uh made by us that's right and affable chat is live on tuesday nights 7 p.m eastern time that's twitch.tv slash affable chat that's gonna do it for this one for affable chat i'm benjamin and i'm joey thanks for listening